In his autobiography, Ronald Reagan said that he was raised to know that God has a plan uh, for his life, for all of our lives, even with all the twists and turns and the things that happen to us, including the setbacks, that God is at work to move that into and make it become a part of his plan. You know what? I believe that. I see that all the time. He said that his mother... Um, just a small woman with auburn hair was always affirming him, was always optimistic about the future, no matter what he happened to be going through at the time. And, you know, she said at one point, she said, you know, you get to these problems, and these obstacles, and you can't go around it, and you can't go, you know, over it, and you just, you just got to go through it. And that's okay, because God will use that in your life. He didn't always understand that or even believe it. There was one point where he was a young man and he had lost his job at the Montgomery Ward. And that's sort of like a Target or a J.C. Penney store. And he, you know, he didn't know what he was going to do. And he had to leave town to try to find work. But his mother said, this is part of God's plan. Little did he know how God would be using that in his life to get him out of this little town called Dixon and one day into the White House as the President of the United States. We never know what God's going to do. But Ronald Reagan said this. He said, my mother, as usual, was right. (laughs) Moms, you're often right. And we love the fact that you speak value and you speak truth and wisdom and love into our lives. And we pray that you continue to do that. And I just want to tell you, happy Mother's Day today. And I also want to use that little story to remind us of this important truth, that God has a plan As cliche as that may sound for some of you, God really has a plan for your life. And he will use all the the moments and the events, whether those are good or bad, in your life to get you to the place where he wants you to be. And where in your heart of hearts, your dreams will take you where you want to be. So here's the big idea for today's message. There are times when believers' plans change because of our own actions. We do things sometimes to sabotage ourselves. That's a big idea uh, about the message today, but there's an application for that as well. When who we think we are and who God knows we are will be revealed to us in which in turn results sometimes in a change of plans. That's okay. That happened in the life of Peter. Let me read to you uh, this one event, this little snapshot of of his life. This is in Matthew 26. In verse 33, Peter answered, and this is in the context of uh, this moment when Peter was just really feeling like, you know, he's the guy. He's the guy. And he says this to Jesus. He said, though they will all uh, fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Can you just feel the tone? You just feel uh, this fringe, almost arrogance, you know, that that he boasted of that. Now, if you fast forward uh, just a few hours later, and Peter is being confronted, and Jesus has been arrested, and they've captured him, and here's what Peter says in the moment. In verse 69, it says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You were also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, 
I do not know what you mean. Now scripture goes on to say he was so adamant about it and continued to the point of cursing. Peter's heart, his belief in his own abilities would see a dramatic change in his plan. And he would, in just the space of a few hours, realize what had happened. And he leaves this scene weeping bitterly in his life. The word men that's used in verse 33, when Peter said, though they all fall away from you, we've put the word men in. Uh, Translators uh, inserted that. But Peter meant really to uh, affirm this of just the other disciples. Do you get what he was doing? He compared himself to all the other disciples. It's almost as he turned around with an earshot of these guys and he said to them, I won't be like they might be. You know, when we begin comparing ourselves to each other, that's when we get into trouble. We either think we're less than or we'll walk away thinking I'm better than You know, we spend all of our imagination, all of our efforts measuring ourselves against one another. And where does that ever go? This creates all kinds of wrong thinking, uh, behaviors, and habits uh, that that are born out of a fear of rejection or abandonment or just this, uh, this feeling of wanting to be accepted so much or even on kind of the other end of the spectrum of that, uh, this self-righteousness that has grown up in us, that we feel about ourselves. Now this confidence of Peter's is just so characteristic, isn't it? I mean, it's just so Peter. And I think sometimes it's a little glimpse about ourselves too. He was passionate and sincere. I really believe that. I think he was attached to his master and I don't think he was just saying this, knowing in the back of his mind, well, I'm really not that guy. I, he, he believed that. Uh, and, but this declaration that he made was fueled by several things. One thing, I think, is that there was a genuine and true love for Jesus. Peter was the real deal. However, in the midst of that, he also had too much reliance, too much confidence in his own strength. And there was an unawareness of himself. There were these trials he was going to soon pass through. He knew nothing about. I think this especially teaches us that there's no strength of attachment that we have to Jesus that can justify some of the confident promises that we make about our own faithfulness. These are made without total dependence on him. You see, we don't know how weak we really are, how fragile our faith is until that's tried. And in Christians, we may be left uh, to great and disgraceful sins sometimes that can reveal, that often do reveal and expose the inadequacies of our flesh. Now, God's plan, and I think Peter's plan, was to be the rock. 
He had that, that ambition, and that would be fulfilled, but certainly it would not be fulfilled in the way that he ever imagined. And this passage shows us something about Peter, and maybe something about ourselves too. Uh, his fault is obvious. He had an overconfidence in where he was spiritually in his flesh. You know, he had a lot of confidence in himself. Now, he knew that he loved Jesus. And maybe you know, I love Jesus. And that's never been in doubt. And he thought that by himself, he would be able to handle whatever situation. He could face whatever might come up. He thought, you know, I'm stronger than maybe Jesus thinks I am. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew his heart. We will be safe only when we replace our confidence, which depends on ourselves, and move that onto Jesus, on Christ. Sometimes I've experienced, maybe you have too, it's the impulsiveness of our own words that can sidetrack our plans. That happens to Peter in verse 70. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he just blurts that out. And it was an easy deception to see through. Scripture suggests, this is a little behind-the-scenes moment for you, that Peter used a Galilean word uh, for the word no. I don't know what you're talking about. Instead of a Judean word, which would have been common in that particular place. And that just gave it away. That exposed his Galilean roots. It's as if I were to go to New York City and to say, uh, maybe I go to a restaurant and I say, hey, y'all got any collard greens up here? And uh, someone would say, I guess you're from the South. And I'd go, no. No, I'm not from the South. I'm born and raised right here in New York City. You see, I would be given it. They would say, no, you're not. You're obviously from somewhere like Tennessee. Uh, that would just give it away. You know, even when our plans change, because of our own fault, something we've done, if and when we respond through godly sorrow and in repentance, God's grace keeps us. It pulls us back. It recalculates. And we're back in his plan. Simon Peter was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he put himself there. And this was a place of temptation for him. And there's no defense that can be offered for this blatant denial. It's just cringeworthy. It's embarrassing for him. He was guilty of this scandalous behavior and this betrayal of Jesus. Now, I'm quick to say, though, that that doesn't identify him Wherever you are, you're not stuck at that place in the story. Peter did repent. And he came back into harmony with the Lord that in his heart he loved. In fact, it would be Peter. Peter was the one whom the Lord gave the privilege of preaching the very first sermon after the Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit had come. And 3,000 people were saved in that one day. Peter would go on to make a tremendous difference in the church and in the future. But he did it 
out of his identity in Christ now and not in his confidence in himself. You see, getting out of ourself and our own righteousness or our own sinfulness, some of our plans are born you know, like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. His plan was born out of selfishness. But when we surrender our plans, whatever they may be, to God and say, God, you have complete freedom and I am available to you in my life, then he can recalculate the entire course of our life. Depending on his spirit in us instead of our own goodness, our own ideas and and best laid plans, it completely transforms us from the inside out and it makes a change in our life and in our ministries. I want you to think about this. Um, I don't know if you've asked yourself the question, but I'm going to ask you now. Does God want you to have a ministry during this pandemic? I believe God wants to have a ministry through you during this time. You know, we began uh, this whole year, way back in January here at Calvary, thinking and praying Uh, about how can we have spiritual conversations that people we really care about and introduce them to the love of Jesus. We did a whole series called Who's Your One? Now, did God not understand or see back in January what was going to happen next? He absolutely knew about February and March, (laughs) April and May. He knew about COVID-19 when he laid that series on our heart. And when we filled this altar with names of people that we love and that we're going to talk about, we have no excuse to say, oh Lord, yeah, but then this pandemic hit and you know, there's no way we can follow through. What if God already knew that? What if he saw that, but he still has someone that he wants you to minister to This week, in a very specific and a very intentional way, would you be willing to surrender some of your plans this week to follow him, to see what he'll do? I believe God has something beautiful he's still uh, doing, not just in spite of, but actually through this and through you. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those uh, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. I know that's a long sentence, and it's a really complicated sentence, and it's really interesting, especially in the original language. So let's break it down together. He begins by saying, blessed, blessed. He said, this is a blessing uh, for God in how that he comforts us. Now, last week, we looked at a guy in the Old Testament scriptures whose name was Baruch, and Baruch is the Hebrew noun for the word, for the New Testament word, Blessed or blessing. So we're going to continue that thread of thought. And I know most of us, maybe we appreciate or recognize how God blesses us. But have you ever thought about how you bless God? You bless God. 
We bless him when we are vulnerable to him and we allow him to flow through our life into other people's lives. Now, everybody faces trials and problems, difficulties and situations that can just be devastating. In fact, the word for affliction means something that feels like a crushing pressure bearing down on you. Now, they're not constant. We know that there will be an end. But he says, in all of our afflictions, literally it says, on the occasion of, or upon the moment of, during the affliction, they come and go. But they feel relentless when you're in the midst of them, don't they? You've been there. I've been there. Maybe you're there now. And I'm sure you know someone who's feeling crushed by something right now. And it may be that God wants you to have a ministry in their life this week. Paul says with this joy, with this confidence and swagger that he knows firsthand that God gave him special strength in the midst of these series of trials that felt overwhelming to him at the time he was going through them. He says, God is a God of all comfort. And the Lord gives us all kinds of comfort to fit whatever it is that we're going through at that moment. The word comfort is used ten times in just five verses in this passage. And it appears all throughout the rest of this letter. It's translated a little differently in several times to communicate the exact intent in the context. But it conveys always the idea of strengthening, of helping, of coming alongside, of making something secure or strong again. Paul had faced these devastating afflictions in Asia. He had this debilitating depression when he was in Macedonia. And what he needed in one place or in one season of his life was different than what he needed later. God will always match whatever we're going through with the kind of comfort and encouragement he gives, brings into our lives. And then the ministry that we have as a result of that is that we can comfort, we can come alongside people in their problems and situations. He says, we comfort them with the same kind of comfort that we received from God. You see, he uses your life, your story, your testimony to bless other people. We don't have to work at it. We don't have to make anything up. We don't have to be trained for it or any of that. It's not hard. It's just his comfort that's in us. It's just flowing through us. Now, Paul is not communicating that he is the source of that comfort. It's Christ in him. He says this, with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. The purpose of God this week in your life will be for you to enable and to encourage someone who's suffering in some way. It could be 
physically with their health. It might be anxiety. It may be financial. It could be with their health or their job situation. It could be in relationships. Maybe something you've been through and you think, hey, you know. And even if you haven't been, that's okay because it's God's comfort through you. It's not about your ability. It never was. So if you're feeling confident or you're feeling a little intimidated and thinking, I don't know if I could step into somebody's life and have something to offer, absolutely you can. Because it's just about your accessibility. That's all. It is our experience of God in our own life that qualifies and empowers us. That's it. And that takes all the pressure off you. This verb in verse 4 is written in the present tense. And that highlights the fact that Jesus is constantly, consistently encouraging and empowering and comforting us. That's his go-to. He is always coming alongside. It's the predictability of his presence in us. This becomes the theme and the hope that's all throughout 2 Corinthians. So folks, as surely as the sunrise is going to follow the sunset, God's comfort and his encouragement is going to be there for you in every kind of difficulty that you'll ever go through. Even if, like Peter, you created this situation for yourself. As you go through it, and at the end of the day, he's trusting you to share the comfort that you've experienced with someone else. So here's the question I'm going to leave you with today. Will you, this week, be vulnerable, be accessible and available? Will you, offer comfort this week to someone in particular? If the answer is yes, then how will you do it? How are you going to do it? Make a plan.